What's going on, y'all? Welcome to the San Diego County Bicycle Coalition podcast, The Weekly Spoke. My name is Elizabeth Bowersox, and I'm joined here with my co-host, Daniel Rodriguez. Uh, I'm taking the lead here as the host today, but Daniel's going to chime in with some questions. Um, we have a very, very special guest today. Her name is Josie Fouts, and she is a paracyclist here in San Diego. And we're excited to talk to her today about her recent adventures in Moab, Utah, and her story and her impact on this world. And uh, how's it going, Josie? Oh, so good. I am so happy to be here. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. Um, so I was telling you just a second ago, like, I also was working on this blog today mm -hmm. uh, because like there's some news articles that have been coming out about the Moab trip, but like to the majority, to the masses who are non-para, it's great. It's cool that we're getting coverage, mm -hmm. but the same piece of information is causing the adaptive community to kind of like be stressed because there's a lot of inaccuracies. Mm -hmm. And so really like, a big part of what I'm doing is to try to be a voice for the adaptive nation. And so like a lot of the adaptive nation relies heavily on audible information. Mm -hmm. So thank you for helping me do my yeah. job a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. It's a win-win. <laughs> well, yeah, we're, we're super happy to hear about this. And so just for some context, um, Josie just went for an FKT. This is also known as the fastest known time, on the White Rim Trail in Moab, Utah. All right, that's a 100-mile desert trail in southeast Utah. And she's here today to talk about this trip and um, her adventures, the highs and lows, her gear. I'm, like, most curious about, like, what you brought, what bike you were on. Um, so we're just going to, like, jump in with some questions here. So how did this come to fruition? Like, who decided to do this, and who were you with? And, like, tell me about that. Um, so this actually stemmed out of the pandemic. Okay. So I was training for the Tokyo Paralympics, and then when they got postponed, and without the results of pressure, but then also a community telling me, like what bikes I can ride and where I'm allowed to ride and what's the quote safest. I was like, well, I just want to ride my bike outside, like out outside, not like technically outside, but inside of cities and lines. Like I want to be out on the trail. Mm -hmm. I want to be out on the trails, like where everything is dynamic. Everything I'm looking at has depth and like beauty to it. And nothing is perfect. Mm -hmm. Like there is no perfect line that you take because the trail changes over time and with weather and I realized like that's the environment where I can flourish the most because when I see like two different types of trees in alpine wind adapting like in their own way but also together at the same time to overcome the same thing like for example we have pine trees they're like super aerodynamic and they like are rigid with the wind they're like we're not moving no way blow us as hard as you want <laughs> <laughs> but then you have like aspen trees and they're like less roll less flow like even yeah. with the slightest breeze you can hear them like just mm -hmm. do their thing and it's magical because like I think the pine trees are a perfect analogy for the type of rider who wants to go fast and that was the type of rider who I was training for the Tokyo Paralympics like it was 
all about the individual time trial and getting as arrow as possible. Except, like, imagine an aspen tree trying to do that and just, like, curl its leaves up to try to be, like, a pine tree. Something like, it's, it's not. Exactly. Like, that's kind of how I felt because the equipment wasn't working for me. I couldn't find a bike small enough. And that has nothing to do with my adaptations as a person with a limb difference. And I'm like, come on, like where are the bikes for the short people? And they're like, oh, they're in different countries. And I'm like, okay, so you're an international brand. Can I get a bike that fits me? And they're like, no. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. yeah, wait a minute. And then I think about it and I'm like, man, if this is a capitalist world, like we say it is, like mm -hmm. tall people are short people at some point in their life, right? <laughs> yeah. And then short people are short people for the majority of their life. Yeah. Like if we're catering to the masses, like why are small bikes impossible to find? And especially on top of like a pandemic and having supply chain issues, yeah. like I think this is the opportunity to refocus and to give the people of the bicycle industry, like the artists, the frame makers, an opportunity. And that's pretty much what I've done here with this Moab trip. So you asked me like, what bike did I uh, ride? And I rode, it was like a prototype for this new bike brand, uh, New House Metal Works based in San Francisco. And it's 100% custom, like not just custom to my size and the person who I am, like the objective measurements, like saddle height, like slack, head tube angle, mm -hmm. uh, 66 degrees. I don't know, people I think will like that number. <laughs> Um, and it's like a little bit longer reach for me. So it's kind of nice to be able to like gain more leverage, but it also is designed to like complement the style of rider who I am. Mm -hmm. So back in 2020, when I started first riding a mountain bike, I refused the use of prosthetics because I was just like, that's not a part of who I am. Mm -hmm. That's not a part of my identity. And there is nobody on this earth that I thought could change my mind, especially myself. <laughs> but the bicycle, specifically the mountain bike, changed my mind because I started riding and I was like, okay, well, if I pull really hard on my right side of my bars, then my bike's just gonna go in a circle. So I need to like rest my left arm on top and I actually had like a bar end facing in. And then on top of that, there was like a 3D printed cup um, and so I use that to at least give my arm like a platform, yeah. you know, kind of like this. This is our platform, right? <laughs> um, and so, but it was like, I still couldn't like grip the bars and like lift them, right? Okay. And, and not just because like I don't have the fingers, but also I don't have the muscle memory is what I'm learning. Like, it's easy for somebody who has had two hands to be like, oh, I can use this prosthetic to do these things that I normally can't. Like for me, I have to like create a new like neuro pathway yeah. to make it happen. And then things start to like make sense once I start like being able to leverage my bars. And I'm like, oh, is this why my left shoulder is like chronically injured all the time? And I was like, you know, I'm pretty like dense, <laughs> like as a scientist, like you have to like, really say the same thing at least four times because if the fourth time or one of those four times it's wrong just by chance or I misinterpret it, the other three times make it statistically possible and like probable that like this is still the truth. Mm -hmm.
That's how my brain works. Yeah. Well, and you got a degree in science at UCSD. Yes. Okay, so that's how you got oh, out sorry. to you. So uh, I got a de degree in Colorado State University where I met Taylor, my oh. partner, and it was in nutrition and immunology. So where those two systems meet in our body is the gut. So I have all this knowledge about gut health while everybody else is kind of like trying to figure it out. And I'll let you know the information out there is muddied on purpose. They don't want it to be clear because they don't want to admit that like, we don't know shit, like pun intended. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a pun, so I'm allowed to swear, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I worked in a microbiome lab. I worked in a bi microbiome lab uh, at UCSD. Got it. That's what brought me out here. And then that's when I started commuting and like really harvesting like a lot of base miles. And I lived with Taylor and he was like, you know, training at that point, like eight, nine years of his life. And he's like, oh, I'm going to go out on like a 20, 40, 80, 100 mile mountain bike or a 100 mile ride. And I'm like, well, if everything is relative and to me it is like uh -huh. nothing is absolute, nothing is the same forever. Yeah. That's entropy. Like, mm -hmm. so everything's relative. I was like, if he can do that, like continuously throughout the week, I can do 14 miles one way and then just get the shuttle back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so then soon, like just commuting 14 miles one way turned into both ways some days. And then I started working on the weekends, doing 48 hour stool collections. That was, that's oh. what I was doing on my weekends. Like, awesome party. <laughs> Uh, and work got more stressful. I wasn't like taking care of my health, to be honest, because you know that wasn't the reason why everybody else was there. Even, yeah. even though I rode my bike in, I always got like side comments like, hey, like you should get a car and pay for parking and gasoline and sit in traffic like everyone else because I don't know, peer pressure? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like. It's definitely a social thing nowadays that like, I don't know why if you're not like people won't consider you an adult unless you have a car and like unless you have like this high paying job and it's like well I can still get around anywhere I want on a bike and it's a lot faster sometimes and it's more fun you know like I'm not staying in traffic I go through right. trails you know and stuff like that like I don't know why people always think you need to have a car to live. <laughs> There's literally nothing more freeing than like coming to a bottleneck of traffic and just like riding up like boom passing everybody so that's that's great and like, I think people think that we live in a society, right? So if you're not, if everyone's not the same, it's like, you're, you're different. You're, you know, you're not like us, but F that, like, that's right? not how we should live. We all should be unique and do like, what's do best for us. Like that kind of mindset is based on a perfect world. Like mm -hmm. everybody starts off with the same amount of resources at the same amount of time or mm -hmm. in the same point in time and they get the same opportunities as everybody else. And that's just not the way it works. That's so like, reality. why are we even trying that way? Like mm -hmm. we're trying to force like a piece of a puzzle that just doesn't fit there, you yeah. know? Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, we're like, <laughs> we know. We know. <laughs> we know. Yeah, as cyclists, that's something we face all the time. And, and I'm sure for you, it's been even harder and just the shit that you have to put up with. And like, it's, it's crazy, but you've persevered and like gone off and done this 
crazy trail and um can we talk more about that and Mm -hmm. and the specifics and like something I wanted to specifically talk to you about is like your vision because I know so many athletes especially professional athletes they they have their line they have their trail and they see it they see themselves achieving that goal and even beyond and I just want to hear what that was like for you before this oh my god like I think a lot of leadership takes creativity and visualizing. And to be honest, my like actual vision is very poor. Like if you know like the numbers and everything, you walk into Walgreens or something and they're like, oh, gla- reading glasses like 0.25, 1.25. Mine's like negative nine. Oh my. Yeah. So I have this like higher proprioception, I think, to energy and like the way things flow. And I think like, that is something that is untold, uh, part of the adaptive community, because I really resonate with people who are visually imp- impaired, like mm-hmm. the way that they talk to themselves, the way their guides talk to themselves. Um, I think the vision here is for people who have any type of impairment, and let's be honest, that's 100% of the people. Nobody is perfect. Yeah. And I want the message to be clear. So my vision is really focused on the adaptive nation. Like people who aren't just like visually impaired, but also audibly impaired, like physically impaired, cognitively. Like I want the message to be clear in that way because that's who I'm speaking to. So like in that process, catering to the people who have the biggest needs, I believe will make an easier path for everyone else. Like if you think of like a storm and you have like this huge awesome trail system, uh, like penasquitos, and mm. but there's like the storm and all these trees go down. Like are you going to move the trees that are on like cobblestones or tunnels mm-hmm. uh, or cobbles like where it's like single track? Or are you going to first remove the trees that are on the multi-use path? that are like wide enough for anybody to get through in both directions, right? Like, cause once you pave the way for people who need things and accessibility the most, then like anybody else, it's easy to follow. Yeah. And that was kind of what we proved here on this trip. So two days before our attempt, there was like this once in a thousand year like flood and I'm like come on man what are the odds like yes like 0.11% and I'm like damn like should we just quit and go get a lottery ticket or what oh my gosh the odds right wow so it made for really difficult conditions not for not only for bicyclists and adaptive cycles but mainly like vehicles, Mm -hmm. like cars. Yeah, so one of the misconceptions of the end image I had in my head versus reality was I thought the vehicle would be like bunny hopping us, like going up, getting water to the people in front, you know, like we won't be together the whole time because we have different strengths. Like I love descending, it's just fun. Mm -hmm. I just like, like let it rip and there's like no care at all about like any of the consequences. Um, and cause I know speed is my friend, but then like for somebody else, like who maybe has like a more difficult time balancing, like maybe it's not really the downhill that's their strength, you know? But so anyways, like my vision was that the follow vehicle, the support vehicle with all the water and the extra lights and the food 
they would be accessible. But because of the way the conditions were, we were faster than the follow vehicle. Wow. Right? Yeah. Like that was, I think, the catch-22 of the whole trip. It was awesome, mm -hmm. but also kind of crappy at the same time yeah. because we're like waiting an hour and a half because uh, my friend Annika's adaptive cycle battery just died and they have the extra because they weigh like 30 pounds. Wow. Yeah, yeah you know? You can't carry that. Yeah. So I think that was a really powerful kind of like vision where it was like, okay, people can see this happening. Like, I don't know how we'll display it like in the final product. Um, but also it was kind of funny, the follow vehicle got lost. Like it's, you're in the middle of the desert and there's not many like uh, bunny trails yeah. or rabbit holes you can go down. They just go off into campsites. And there's this one point where like, we're on top of this ridge climbing into a headwind and it's getting really sandy. Ooh. And we like look over and there's like massive canyons. Like uh -huh. we are in the canyon. Like it's beautiful. There's like a 30 foot wide river called the Green River, mm -hmm. but it was like brown, you know, technically. <laughs> but all around it was super green because of the rain. Uh, <laughs> so it was like greens and reds and like oranges and clays just like contrasting each other. And then like 0.1% of that vision was like this tiny white truck, like not on the White Road Trail. And we're like, that That's is our that. follow vehicle. That <laughs> is our support vehicle. And we're like, oh man, okay. So, uh, you need to turn around. <laughs> so we're like yelling at them, but they can't see us because we can barely see them and we have the yeah. advantage point, you yeah. know? So we send Taylor down to like on his bike. He's oh. already doing 100 that day. He's like, oh, what's another like three miles? Yeah. So he goes down to like tell them to turn around. And we're like watching it from the top, like eating snacks. Yeah. And it's just like, it's chilling. It's so funny. <laughs> it's hilarious. Was that the only way you guys could communicate? Like, is it having phones? Yeah, no service out there for sure. Um, yeah, because we, the plan was to stick together, right, yeah. you know, as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah. But then, you know, that took a lot longer than we thought in the beginning. So we're out there. Like, we planned to be at, like, mile 55 around 3 p.m. And around 3 p.m., I think we were at, like, 48. Okay. So we weren't that far behind, but we were yeah, behind a schedule I, like, slowed down in half the time that Taylor did it, like uh, in 2020. Mm -hmm. um, so that was like one of the awesome parts <laughs> yeah. of the trip. But then it was also cool because we would reach these like giant spots where there was a landslide. So it was just like huge boulders, not just like rocks, boulders like covering yeah. the road. Yeah. That's it. Like it's just like, uh, so there's like a, a cliff to the side to the right. And there's like a 15 to 20 inch gap, like right next to the side of the cliff. That's like really low risk for two wheels at where one is in front of another. Yeah. And then there's a bunch of rocks to the left. And Annika rolls up and she has two wheels mm -hmm. next to each other. And she's just like, I'm not going that way. It's like not about like if or like having them spot her. Yeah. She's just like, no. Like the way that you have gone, even though it works for you, does not work for me. I need help. I need these rocks out, is what she said. She was like, we're either going over the rocks or we need to move the rocks. <sighs> and she's in like a 35 pound bike. She has like about 
four times as much like body weight and snacks and bags yeah. and gear on top of that. And we're like, man, that's going to be heavy to carry. And then all of a sudden, Taylor, Jonathan DeGuzman, and Kyle Kirby just start hucking rocks over the edge. They're like, all right, you want rocks gone? We're going to oh, get them all them gone. gone. <laughs> and it was just so awesome because yeah. it was like, Nobody even, like, stopped to think about it. They were just like, all right, she said they need to be gone. We're going to get these barriers out of your way. We can't mm -hmm. go around this one, so we're just going to literally demolish it by using teamwork. Yeah. And it was honestly faster than if we tried to, like, pick her up mm -hmm. and, like, roll her over. So, oh, like, wow. that was also one of just, like, the greatest moments yeah. because, like, that's what we literally are here to do. Mm -hmm. This work together. is work together to overcome these barriers, yeah. like either tear them down or go around them. Wow. But like, like I, I kind of like that it stormed and flooded because the visual is going to be so dramatic on film. The film. Yeah. So, so in the whole, this is filmed by a film crew was with you, following you yeah. for the whole trip. Yeah. Okay. So it was kind of like a mix of uh, videographers, uh -huh. um, because like we're going over various terrain. Yeah. So a lot of the interviews that we did before the white rim, we did with, uh, scenic bylines based out of Salt Lake city. Mm -hmm. And the director, Louie, he had a paralyzing accident in 2020. And so I was like, you know, the same thing that's happening with like these other articles coming out, like when there's a non-para filter or, mi or middleman yeah. or storyteller, like things get lost in translation and your way of living also is just different. It's not just a personal, it's not, I'm not trying to be personal, it's just the way we are. Like yeah. the person we are off the bike and on the bike should essentially be the same because it's technically the same person, right? Mm -hmm. So it was like, uh, so he wasn't the first uh, film crew. So back in 2020, when I first learned about the White Room Trail, just by being like, okay, so everything's shut down. It's like healthy to ride your bike and it's healthy to be outside. Mm -hmm. Like, let's go camping. Like, bike shops don't really need extra help right now because everybody's like, oh man, are we going to get laid off or not? Yeah. So me and Taylor were like, we're gonna, just going to go on a five-week road trip. And yes. the funny thing about it is, like, I'm a terrible planner. I hate planning because <laughs> I'm so good at adapting, you know? Like, that's the yeah, double-edged okay. sword of that. Uh, so I was like, okay, I'm going to try to plan. And I planned, like, five weeks. And it was going to be awesome. We're going to go up the Pacific Coast West all the way to Seattle and then loop it around and then, like, hit up, like, Moab and yeah. stuff and come back through Flagstaff. And then, like, the day we leave, everything that we planned just starts setting on fire. Oh, and I'm like, oh, well, even though I planned it that way, I'm not just going to go drive into fire. Yeah. So I was actually pretty stoked because I was like, well, here we go. I got my wish, you know, like yeah. I love just like living life on the edge of my seat mm -hmm. or my saddle. And so yeah. we just shot the good uh, gaps of air quality and also just focused on like who we knew because we couldn't camp. And we were like, that kind of like Spoils the, the camping thing, trip. Yeah. yeah, and that's how it's affordable because, like, you don't pay for housing. Right. And so we were like, okay, well, we have to, like, reach out to our friends. So we ended up just going on this, like, epic, like, I don't know what you call it, just, like, journey of discovering, like, who is there when you need them the mm. most. 
And it turns out like we can get pretty far if we just focus on what we do have. And so we ended up in Moab twice. And the first time we, I rode a road bike into Canyonlands and which is just like an out and back 12 mile road. And it's like pretty rolling. So it's really fun on a road bike. And then you can stop along the way, look at the White Rim Trail and the Canyonlands. And I just remember being like, wow, like, what is that trail down there? I'm like, I get that there's a lot of beautiful things right here that is in the big picture, but I can't stop staring at this like faint light trail. And I'm just like, man, I'm just so fixated on it. And then I was like, okay, well, I'll do a little research. Found out at the visitor center, it's the White Rim Trail. You need a permit to be on it. I'm like, oh man, okay, well, not this time. Mm -hmm. And then we ended up in Boise, Idaho, like three weeks later, and we were like, okay, so the fires are under control. Like, do we go back to the original plan or do we keep making it up as we go? And our friend that we were staying with was going to Moab and he was being super casual about it. He's just like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna meet some friends. We're gonna ride some mountain bikes. You wanna go? And I was like, okay, yeah, let's yes. go. And then we meet up and they're all like riding the White Road Trail in one day. Oh. You know? Uh-huh. And so Taylor at that time had an steel all city with mm-hmm. essentially a fat bike, it was a hardtail. And he had no idea that he was gonna do it that day and just like jumps in and does it. Yeah. And I was like, damn, that was inspiring. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's really why. I wanted to go back a little bit of like, wow, like I knew I couldn't do it then. I actually like crashed in Boise. Mm. So I was like, I need to chill. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and also like, I, I also knew I needed something else. It wasn't my time. I wasn't ready, even though I wanted to be like, my brain was moving way too fast and my body couldn't keep up. And it was clear cause I was injured. I was in a crash mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, well, not this time. Yeah, but not we this We want to come back. Yeah, exactly. So, to so then 2021 happened. Everything went back to whatever we say is normal. normal. No, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, and to be honest, I was like very depressed. I was just like, man, like I go on these group rides and everybody's pointing out the worst in the road and then like subconsciously like pointing out the worst in each other and I was just like I it's not them, it's like the environment that we're in. Because I knew as a scientist, like, we are a product of our environment. If we get good signals in, we will be good. If we get bad signals in, we will be bad. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily that it's about good or bad or right or wrong or right or left or Mm -hmm. hand or stub or, like, whatever it is. (laughs) Like, it's just about, like, accepting, like, where you are and who you are and what makes you the way you are. And so I've learned on... I've learned through riding my mountain bike that I am really stubborn. Like there are some things I will refuse to give up. Mm-hmm. And one of those things used to be asking for help. And one of those things, a second one of those things was using a prosthetic. And the mountain bike has helped me reevaluate the way that I think about things. And I think that is the powerful thing about riding in general. And, but it's also about the environment you're in. Like if you're actively learning to 
not point out every rock on the trail because you'll literally get nowhere. Yeah. Like, you start to pick and choose your battles that you have to fight, like, socially. And so, like, this is the battle I choose to fight. Like, I want to be a voice for the adaptive nation because people are interested in what I say, and no matter how much I try to hide it, like, I am an adaptive athlete. So I'm like, all right, here we go. Give me the prosthetic. Let's do all the bike things. Like, if we're going to do it, I'm going to do it the right way because I don't know left. <laughs> Gosh, you are so, you are so, you're such a force. And I love, I love that about you. And we love that about you. Josie's in the like cycling world, obviously in San Diego. And every time I've seen her out in social situations and I'm just going to pause just to say that you're always smiling, laughing, and, you know, picking on someone, but, like, all out of love, and um, we're, just is really cool that you're here, and um, I wanted to quickly talk to you about the National Ability Center. Mm -hmm. I see you're wearing it on your shirt. So, um, they're in Park City, Utah, mm -hmm. and they're a nonprofit, like, mm -hmm. the coalition. Um, so, tell me how you got involved with them, and the work you do, and when you visit them, and, yeah. Yeah, so... One of the adaptive athletes who actually set the only self-supported FKT for para-athletes in Moab, Stephen Wilk, mm -hmm. he introduced me to the NAC uh, because, like myself, he was born with his limb difference, and he, like myself, tried to hide it for a really long time. Um, so I'm 31, he's 37. And so he has a little bit more ex experience for me. Yeah. So like I look up to it and it's great because like he's the one who was like, well, the NAC really helped me accept who I am and to like not hide it. Like that's the biggest thing. And like not only my is my brain happy now that I don't hide this, but like my body, there's like there's like huge release because I noticed when I first got a prosthetic, like every time I would pass somebody that I didn't know, like my arm tenses, like mm. with, at yeah. first without my knowledge. And now I realized it, cause now I'm like, well, I always had a reason to tense it. And I'm like holding on to the bars or something. So I'm like utilizing that uncomfortable feeling and changing it into like a force for efficiency on the bike. And so, but it, without that active need to do that, and the space to for my arm to like metaphorically and physically breathe i'm like wow that's really interesting yeah. uh <laughs> to notice that yeah like yeah yeah and i and i think everybody kind of has something about themselves that they don't want other people to know but it's like the more you are close to people like those things are going to come out and like if they're really your friend, they won't care. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because <laughs> they will know that it's either like a part of you that makes you who you are and there's like a reason. Like for example, like me being able to adapt so well means like I can't plan. That's it. Like it's just, <laughs> uh, it's just, you know, who I am yeah. and I accept it. And it's not that I don't want to plan. I'm just like focusing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and... What was the question? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> uh, just, just like uh, the the work that you've done, I, I saw on your Instagram. You've you've gone there and you've you've spoken. And um, oh like, yeah, is there anything like, on the horizon you're doing with them or like, yeah, just kind of oh. like 
Yes, definitely. So <laughs> the NAC is all about focusing what we can do, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's the National Ability Center. It's not the National Disability Center, which ha like brings a different connotation to the table. Sure. And so I really enjoy that, like, just visibly, it's, it speaks my language. And what I learned training for the Tokyo Paralympics is that I am not a summer sport person. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to go back there this winter and um, try some skiing. <gasps> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Because they're like, well, we hear what you're saying, and but, like, you're still, like, in the middle of the desert, like doing something that works against your body, like let us help you like find your potential. And so I'm really excited about wow. that. And yeah, just being an ambassador for them because they are really, I believe, leaders of the type of community that uh, the Adaptive Nation should be modeled off of mm -hmm. because it's all, always focusing on what we can do and what we can have. And it makes you realize that everything is temporary. Like, our bodies are temporary. Mm. Like, to be honest, anyone's able-bodied or para. Like, and even, like, times are temporary. Like, buildings, establishments, bicycle shops. Like, everything has an ebb and flow. And so it's about taking the opportunity to seize the good moments and to focus on, like, what we can get done today. Mm -hmm. Not like what we should have done yesterday or supposed to do tomorrow. Like focus on what you can do today and do it really well. Mm -hmm. You know? Just like have that focus to be able to just like overcome anything because you are so good at doing what you do and nobody else can do what you do as good as you. And that's the kind of atmosphere that the National Ability Center gives to anybody you don't have to have a permanent disability mm -hmm. or impairment. It could be temporary. And if you need help doing what you love to do to get outside, they will help you. And it's awesome. That's so awesome. Right? Are you so stoked about skiing? I am. I'm also kind of nervous because I've never, like, played to my strengths. I love the struggle of life. I just... Yeah. That's why I am literally <laughs> biking on difficult terrain because I physically love it. And I realized that if I ignore this part of myself, well, then I'm not going to be myself. Yeah. So yeah. I have to like find a way to utilize that energy for a benefit. And so physically, it works out because the more difficult it is physical, then the stronger, the stronger you'll be. Mm -hmm. Is how I see it. Yeah. Yeah. And achieving your full potential. And that, what you just said about the NAC and, and they help you do what you can do and be better and, and go beyond. Like, I even got a little emotional, like, listening to you say that. Um, so that's super cool. And um, do you have anything else on your horizon that you, like, want to share with us? So I'm going to go to the Outride Summit next week. In Morgan Hill. Okay. At Specialized Headquarters. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And there are some of that virtual because mm -hmm. we, I heard about it. I think I'm going to be going like virtu attending virtually. Perfect. Um, but yeah, Outride, we work with Outride. You work with Outride. Um, okay, cool. So is Morgan, did you say Morgan Hill? Mm -hmm. Is that in California? It's a little bit south of San Jose. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to be on a panel uh, with Meg Fisher, okay. Christopher Belvins and his sister, Kaylee, 
And like these are huge names in cycling, and I'm also kind of like nervous. And also, I think I just see myself differently yeah. uh, than the way other people see me. Because, you know, that's just perspective. Yeah, per perceiving. Exactly. Yeah. So they're, like, really elevating and changing the way I view myself because I am with them. I'm not there to, like, give them coffee. Like No, you're there. You yeah. are there at the table having the discussion with yeah. them. So I'm, like, very excited oh. uh, to have that opportunity. Yeah. And they're going to give me a EE. No, that's egg. No, EGG is egg. EEG test while I'm riding my bike so I can watch oh. my brain activity. <gasps> Whoa. Yeah. And so I'm going to ask them if we can do a test of like, okay, we'll probably be on a trainer, to be honest. Yeah. But if we put up like visuals of streets versus uh, visuals of Trains. like nature, because I've read research where your brain works better even if you look at a tree versus like a flat wall. Like you remember things better. Yeah. Like it just, it's the way we work and we have this research and we have this knowledge. Why mm -hmm. not use it to our benefit? Mm -hmm. Like let's work harder, not smarter. <laughs> Wait, no, 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 oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's work hard and smart. Let's work hard and smart and then play really hard too. That's so funny. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So kind of step back into the film. Um, so where can people learn more about that and like when does that come out? Do you know any details on that? So our estimate is that it will be out in the spring, spring of 2023. Okay. Cool. Um, but I'm adding like gear list details to Orucase's website, their blog page. Nice. Okay, yeah. So a part of like trying to get rid of that ableist lens um, means like I need 100% control of the words that come out of my mouth mm -hmm. or like that I type. And so I'm just going to utilize the platforms that I have. Yeah. And I know that like, you know, one bike, uh, industry company isn't as good as like getting on to like Velo News, mm -hmm. um, but I think a more accurate message to a smaller amount of population is better than an inaccurate message to a larger population. Definitely. That's yeah. Cool. So yeah, you can check that out on Oricase's website. I'm, yeah, that was the blog I was working on, and that that was funny. We brought a full circle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hopefully you guys have like a watch party or something that way we could all watch the film together and then yeah, maybe chat, and talk about it. Yeah, That'd be I'm. Cool. Well, so Outride also came on as like a last minute sponsor, which is awesome. That's so cool. um, and they want to host like a official premiere at their at the specialized headquarters mm -hmm. when it happens. So I'm gonna try to probably figure out like if there, if there's a bike race or an event that we can like pair it with to oh, yeah. give people like the benefit of the doubt because I do want the San Diego community to be there, but at the same time like that's a space that they have and it would be super cool. Um, so I think if we all could get to like I don't know like Mission Crit or something nice. like that'd be sick, right? Yeah. Like go crit it up and then like. Instead of traveling on your quote recovery day, we're yeah. just sitting down watching popcorn, <laughs> like in the Peter Sagan room at the specialized headquarters. That's true. That'd be cool. Wow. That'd be cool. Right. Yeah. Um, and then one last question before I forget. But uh, going back to the National Ability Center, is there anything like that in San Diego, or is it only in based in Utah? Like, is there something that people could also get involved here in San Diego about that? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so we have the Challenge Athletes Foundation, and this might be a thing that we want to. I don't know. Say. I don't know. Okay. Just like the words. I really have a problem there. It's, it creates a sense of 
like you're giving to somebody as a charity. And the, it is a nonprofit, so it's technically a charity, but it's just like as an athlete and an ambassador, I've just had like interesting and just like honestly traumatic experiences because like this one time, so there's this ride from San Francisco to San Diego, and I just got back from the ATB challenge where I learned how to roll over anything, and I was like, oh, sick, I'm gonna hop in on day seven, like it's the home stretch. I'm just there to like help people like stay motivated for the last day, because that's like the hardest part. And so, I, but they, you know, wanted to do the thing every band wants to do, which is make me feel like I'm not special by putting me in like the clothes that everybody else is in and it doesn't fit me and I'm like, ah. But I'm like, I don't wanna wear it and it doesn't work. Like, just don't give it to me. Um, but instead I actually wore this skirt that I'm wearing and it's like a floor length skirt but it's just made out of spandex. So I like tied it up on the side. And I was like, cool, I got shorts underneath like bibs and I'm like riding along and you know, like physics happens, things like unravel but like, also physics is physics and people are like concerned about my skirt like crashing myself out. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, physics being what it is, like if I generate more force and outweigh that physics of the skirt, then my physics will win and the faster I go, like the more safe it will be and I'm like pulling everybody home. And I'm like, great, I'll just pull the whole time. I don't care, like, fine. <laughs> and they're, even after that, they were like, man, like, we're really concerned. Like, you technically haven't crashed yet, but I can't stop thinking about it. And I was like, okay, well then, don't draft off me. You're like, you're like, why are you telling me what my situation is right now? Like, yeah, like I am completely aware of my situation. I'm fine. Don't be saying stuff to me. Yeah, so, Goodness. like, it got to this point where the quote ride leader for this Challenge Athletes Foundation fundraiser, and just to let you know, in this small group, I was the only challenged athlete, quote unquote. A woman kicked me out of the group ride because I was wearing a skirt. That's lame. Yeah. That's, yeah, go ahead. I was just saying, I mean, that sucks to hear that because, like, that's definitely like gatekeeping and cycling world, you know? It's like you have to wear spandex sometimes or like be fully kitted. It's like I wear shorts and like shoes and that's it. Like maybe sandals sometimes and I just want to cruise down the street. Yeah. But I don't know, man. Like people want to put you in a box and if you're not in that box then you can't be part of the club, you know, or something like that. Right. <laughs> it's kind of lame. Right, yeah. So I, yeah, after that I just totally stopped. I was like, I don't need this. Mm -mm. I called Taylor. He picked me up with Moose. I cried a little. We moved on. And then I found the National Ability Center and I, like everything was like lifted off yeah. my shoulders. And there's still like I, moments where I tell them because I'm like, I don't want to be taken advantage of, of again. Mm -hmm. And so I tell them that and I tell them my experiences and I tell them like, I know it's unfair to you that I have this like prejudice, but like I want to be open and like let you know that like I'm aware of it and I'm here to like talk about it. Mm -hmm. Like I want to make sure that like we are on the same page every step of the way in our relationship. And honestly, like it doesn't make it more like time consuming. I think it makes it actually more of a learning experience for both parties. Mm -hmm. Cause like, for example, this, these articles and stuff coming out with like an ableist lens, like 
the adaptive nation is not happy. And I'm here for them. Like everybody else, like <laughs> don't really care what you have to say, but yeah. like it matters to me that their voice is heard. And so like this has been a huge like learning experience for me because there was a moment where the National Ability Center was a co-title sponsor for this film. And I'll let you know that like to make a film like this, like where you go in the middle of the desert and have all this like liability, if you look at it through a uh, film industry lens, it's really expensive. Because mm -hmm. like think of like Tour de France style. You're on a motorbike, you have to rent a motorbike, get two people, one to drive it, one to hold the camera, yeah. and then it's like a heavy camera, so you got like a harness on and everything. And then I told the original film crew who were non-para, mm -hmm. like just straight down the middle, that's it, like they're just non-para. And uh, I was like, hey, I, I have to bring my friends. And these five other cyclists are down to do a crazy thing like this, so I can't turn them down. Like, yeah. there's not a lot of people who are also going to enjoy this as much as me. Mm -hmm. So like, they are here, and we have to give them the same opportunity. Like, and that first uh, non-para crew, they were like, well, they jumped to conclusions. They were like, that's five more motorbikes we have to rent. That's more gas to put into them. That's 10 more people. That's five more cameras we have to also rent because in the film industry, it's more profitable if you don't keep one mostly outdated piece of equipment, you just rent. So they're like, no, this can't happen. And they essentially like just ditched me. Mm -hmm. After I said like, I will not do this, alone I have to do it with, with my your support with yeah, the people because I'm not the only image for an adaptive athlete yeah yeah heard yeah heard like there, it isn't it's more obvious that that adaptive athlete can't have a stereotype like it's it should be obvious with everybody else but like it's more obvious with us because you can visually see us mm -hmm. and like what we do is we just move differently. So the National Ability Center, so, uh, uh, sorry, that production crew, like when they decided to pull out, they also canceled a $25,000 contract with the only cycling industry sponsor that we had. And that's when I learned that this whole thing for both parties was actually not about me mm -hmm. because nobody came to me except the National Ability Center. And they were like, this has to still happen. And I'm like, yes, it yes, does. Yes, it dang does. Yeah, and it was great because we found out a way to reduce the cost of production, include everybody, and reduce the cost of, or, and reduce the carbon footprint. Cool. And to get everybody their own rights, their, their own image, because that is important. Yes, I, I know that so many athletes and especially para-athletes get taken advantage of and they, their image, and even you say this, like your image is used without your permission and you don't get, you haven't gotten any of the profit or they don't want to give you any of the profit. And you're like, what, you're using my story and you're, you're not even having conversation with me and it sounds like this film company that ditched you, I mean, it's probably a blessing in disguise, right? Exactly. That you didn't end up working with them, but like, have some empathy. I mean, this this amazing girl, this is her story, and you just want to exploit it, and like, yeah. that's, what is that? Well, I, I think that them leaving was kind of them giving me that opportunity, because they knew I was gonna go out 
with these athletes no mm -hmm. matter what, whether they were with me or not. And like, I think based on the concerns I hear out of the people around me, especially from this trip, like a lot of times, I guess I give off this sense that like, I'm gonna do things without you or like, it doesn't matter like what you say or your opinion is like, I'm gonna make this happen because like that's, that's the double edge of that sort of being like a leader, like an advocate is like, I have to not care. Mm -hmm. And it's great because I don't. And so now I'm just like, oh, this is just like a healthy outlet for that like yeah. thing I always struggled with growing up. Um, so it turned out like the answer to all of our problems was the bicycle. Because instead of using motorbikes, I was like, well, why don't we just use bicycles? Because like we're interesting subjects to look at. And to be honest, like all of these like nicer cameras, they're just trying to make normal things look better mm. than they actually are, mm -hmm. to be honest. And cause like normal things are boring, but we are not normal. And so it's like, it doesn't matter what quality lens you have. Like you can tell I am not, I don't have a left hand. You can just tell. <laughs> like it doesn't matter how blurry the image is or like slightly out of focus, like it's pretty obvious. And so, also, on top of that, our environment, we're, like, in national park land. Mm -hmm. Like, it's amazing. And it's beautiful. Like, again, it doesn't matter how good of a lens you need because, like, everything, like, it already has depth and dimension beauty. with yeah. whatever you have. Yeah, so we just use action cameras, put them on GoPros, or, yeah, put them on bicycles. But the hard thing was, like, just like it's hard to find para-athletes who want to ride the White Room Trail. Like, uh, yeah. what, like, support person is going to show up? Because it has to be, like, a, quote, easier ride for them than what they're used to, mm -hmm. right? To make it kind of like a win-win situation. Because if they're doing an effort and we're doing an effort, nobody's, like, checking in and making sure, like, bikes are okay, like, mental states are okay, yeah. bodies feel good. And, like, that's what we need. Like, we need people to, like, give us positive reinforcements to, like, listen to our bodies. And because I think a lot of times any type of athlete, they are over-glorified for not listening to their body. And in my experience riding a bicycle, I need to listen to my body more. Mm -hmm. And so... Like, there was only a few people who were down. So, my partner Taylor, he was down, obviously. Like, this yes. is, he's the only reason why I'm like doing all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I turned towards the, like the San Diego community. Like Jonathan De Guzman grew up here. Like he's down. Like Kyle Kirby, mm -hmm. he grew up here. He was down. And then I also like kind of reached out to the people who like I knew could already like hold a camera in focus and ride a bike for a hundred miles. Uh, so I reached out to Leo Wilcox and her partner Rue because I went with them on this like epic journey in Spain that I 100% did not know if I was gonna survive. Like, <laughs> oh, cool. and they helped me realize like, oh, if I can just go like survive in the middle of a country where I don't speak the native language mm -hmm. and there's only like seven people per square kilometer. Like, do I need to know Spanish in Spain? Maybe not. Maybe I can just gesture and smile and like get away with body language. And it worked. Yeah. Oh my God, I mean, it was wild. So I asked them, I was like, hey, would you be interested in like helping out? I explained the situation. 
they were so in. They're like, yes, of course. Like, when and where do we have to be? Mm-hmm. And so they joined, and it it just ended up being like a really eye-opening experience for me because I was at my not my lowest, but like if you look at my bank account, I'm financially at my lowest. Mm-hmm. And it's like these are the people who are here that don't care about that because I don't care about that. Yeah. Because like to be honest, like that's a race where I metaphorically like have to start like a day after the gun's gone off. Like why why would I like try to do that to myself? Mm-hmm. I'm just putting myself in a bad position because like the cost of living for adaptive like person is like way higher because they don't make the things that we need and we're like mm-hmm. and then it's more expensive and then like insurance really oh is more of a barrier than like helping us achieve yeah. healthcare to, or to, like, taking care of our health it's just like things on top of each other and i'm just like it doesn't have to be this way mm-hmm. okay well Thank you for being here. Yeah. I mean, we talked for an hour. I think we got some really yeah. good stuff. Okay. Yeah. I was like, we could talk forever. Yeah, we could talk forever. Any, any final words? Um, any, okay. Any yeah. final words? This would make the sponsors of the film very happy. Yes. So when we focus on the abilities that we do have, together we can outride anything. It's kind of like our tagline. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's true. It is true. It's a great message, and your story is so inspiring, and we can't wait to see the movie in the spring. We're going to have a watch party. We're going to make it happen. I don't yeah. care. Oh, I don't yeah. care. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we can make, you know, we can use one of these walls or something. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, we, maybe the coalition can get something together. We can, we can see what we have in store there. Yeah. Um, but we will see Josie uh, many more times. I'm sure we'll have you back on here the next thing that you do, um, we want to hear about it. And um, you can, you want to plug your socials so that we can have our, oh, yeah. our listeners go look at your social media? Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I, I sometimes forget to advocate for myself. Yeah, so what? <laughs> the irony. <laughs> so what's your Insta? And- uh, my Instagram is miss.stubbornness. <laughs> love it. I just love it because it's punny. Yes. Oh my God, also, did I tell you the name of the film? No, no, you didn't. <laughs> Treadsetters. Treadsetters. It's like trendsetters, but it's tread. I know, it's so good. That's how I know that it's worth fighting for. I'm like, it's funny and it's funny. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's super cool.